Hey guys, it's Cindy Steinmart, pediatric speech language pathologist, wife to an incredible lawyer, dinnertime chef, and evening laundry folder, mom to two, and stepmom to four. And you are listening to my podcast where we talk about everything from developmental milestones, feeding, lots of feeding, working, traveling, and parenting kids from infants all the way through teenagers. Yes, teenagers. All the things that keep us so busy and so blessed in this season of our lives. If you're ready to dive in and learn, laugh, and live with us as we strive for the very best life, then you've found the place to come and connect with us each week. Today, I am having the pleasure of talking with an old colleague of mine um, who I worked with at Wilson Children's Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, Kristen is an awesome pediatric physical therapist and certified neonatal therapist, and I like to turn it over and let her tell you a little bit about what she does um, and where she works before we get started. Kristen, can you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? Yes. Um, Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this and kind of share my passion. Um, I currently am at the um, Arnold Palmer Medical Center and pretty much dedicated in the NICU over at the Winnie Palmer Hospital side for women and babies. And I pretty much have a neonatal caseload, and that can range from babies that are born premature to babies that are born full-term and needing um, a NICU admission prior to being discharged home. Um, So I get involved with a variety of reasons in the NICU, um, but ultimately our goal is the same and to get them home and with the family. Right, and that's that's something that I had experience working with too, not at Wilson's, but at All Children's John Hopkins. So the NICU is a pretty intense place to be, and um, I know that um, you're doing wonderful things there. And one of the things that I had asked you to talk to me about today was um, when we had had a conversation about just feeding milestones, which you know I'm most passionate about. And um, one of the things that comes up a lot is when our baby's ready to feed. And I feel like um, when I'm saying feed, I mean first for solids. Um, but so much comes into play before that, positioning for bottle feeding um, mm-hmm. and also building up all that core strength because the first sign that a baby's ready to start solids is can they sit up by themselves? <laughs> Do they mm-hmm. have the ability to support their neck? And so since this is your area of expertise, I wanted to talk to you about um, tummy time. Um, so I thought maybe we could start by having you just talk about what time, what tummy time is and why it's so important. Yes. So tummy time seems like a, um, a novelty idea to parents sometimes when I tell them just right from the beginning that they should be doing it. So, um, the reasons that it is important is it allows your baby to be on their belly for weight-bearing through the arms, and it allows for activation of the neck and trunk muscles. Um, And this is kind of a, I think, a shift in our thinking because of the back-to-sleep campaign that was initiated. Um, It is now advising babies to be 
sleeping on their backs and not really getting that amount of tummy time that they need to balance the time that they are on their backs to when they're on their bellies for play. Um, so ideally, we want our babies to be in the alert awake periods um, for tummy time. So if they are asleep, then obviously we are going to be advising you to put the babies on their backs, especially if the parents are asleep. Right. And Kristen, I feel like you and I are both also moms. And um, that was one thing that's nerve wracking when you mm-hmm. have a little one who's so tiny and you're, you know, it's different. I always say it's different when you're working in a clinical setting. Um, everything's such a sterile environment. Everything's so controlled. And um, mm-hmm. when you bring your own baby home, it could be a little nerve wracking to put them in the crib and walk out. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I agree with you, like, making sure that, you know, alert and awake and, um, you know, just – but the big question I have for you that I get asked a lot is um, when is a good time um, for, you know, that during that awake, uh, awake and alert period, um, when is a good time to do that that's not revolved around feedings? Because after babies are fed, that's – a time that I usually tell parents not to put them on their bellies because it's pushing on the food that they just ate. Right. So when right. you're describing that awake and, aware, um, awake and alert period, what, what, you know, how did you fit that in or how do you recommend that being fit and when's the right time for that? Well, I would do it obviously before the feed um, just so that way it decreases that incidence of spitting up. Um, but sometimes if the baby is kind of awake after the feed, you can um, kind of elevate them in a prone position. So then that way gravity is also helping. Um, And then if they do have any kind of tummy issues, that might help get some of that air out of their bellies because they are in that flexion position. So they can allow for those muscles to relax a little bit better and that can help relax the tummy so um, and can you just explain what you mean by prone and flexion just so um, yeah you know I know we use those terms in the hospital um, (laughs) but for moms who are listening um, how would you how do you want to describe those terms for them so when I say prone it means when they're on their bellies and their arms are up at their sides with their hands towards their face and then their hips are bent up underneath them and a little bit in an outward position. Um, so I would say in my physical therapy terms, external flexion and abduction. So kind of like that, that W position of their legs um, because then that's going to allow for the, the muscles of the trunk to kind of relax in that position. That sounds neat. And, you know, it, it's silly, but it's making me think of, like, the child's pose for yoga. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. you know, it's yes, it is. <laughs> similar, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a good visual. Um, so that's, you know, that really helps. And then for the flexion, if you could just describe that as well, too. And flexion. Um, flexion for in the, a, a prone belly yeah. position? Yeah. So flex means the elbows are bent. Um, and extended would be the opposite, so straightening out the extremities. So flexion is bending primarily at the elbows, and the shoulders are kind of tucked 
with the elbows at their sides. Um, but belly time can also mean that the arms are up, kind of um, the shoulders are abducted kind of out to the side, and that's still considered a flexed position. Um, the hips are going to be typically bent and knees are going to be bent as well when I say flexion. Right. And you said you had some really great pictures to share um, yes. to be put up on the site so that people could see exactly like what you're recommending for positioning. Right. And flexion okay. and belly time or tummy time will mean something a little bit or look different for a newborn baby versus a baby at two months, three months old. But they should still be on their bellies during those ages. So it's just going to look a little bit differently as they grow and develop. Okay. And I know you said it's, um, it's important for developing that core strength. Um, but what, what are some other reasons that it's important to have that tummy time? So the other important reasons are development of the shaping of the head or, um, I call it cranial shaping. Um, because that way they're just not on the back of their head and kind of laying with their head to one side over the other. Um, our, the baby's heads are shaped because the bones are moldable and the sutures in the, the head are open. So it allows for the brain to grow. And if the baby's positioned in a certain way a lot more than other positions or they're having preferences in positions, then that can affect the way that the baby's head is shaped. Um, this prone tummy time position allows for natural formation and development of the spinal curvatures. Um, I'll go back, I think, in a little bit just to discuss some of that just because it can involve a lot of other things too. Um, and it's a lot of overlapping with strengthening of the muscles. So it's going to be strengthening of the neck, the shoulders, arms, and back muscles when they're on their bellies. And it's going to build endurance and strength of the postural muscles, which are important for sitting and standing. And we talked about that core strength, so that's going to be um, how that's related. And it's going to give the baby opportunities to learn how to hold his or her head up right in space. Um, which is going to be important for sitting down the road. Um, so all these little things that we're going to be working towards in the beginning, they're all building blocks to those goals of older milestones. So a lot of times people don't realize that that's what we're working on. We got to get to those baby steps first before we're, we're running. So we got to work on just even being on our bellies and getting those muscles to activate. Right. Um, Sorry. It's, just, it's amazing to me um, how that works. And it is. I agree with you 100%. It's hard to, um, especially, you know, in those early days when you're tired and, you know, you've been yeah. up with the baby and you're doing feeding and you want the baby to do tummy time and the baby doesn't necessarily love doing tummy time. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to distract and shake toys and do all these things to get tummy time to be successful. You, right. you know, I, you know, I knew because I had the, the gift of working with colleagues um, like you and others, um, why that was so important. And obviously from doing, you know, research on my own when I became a mom. Um, but it is, it's not instinctual to realize that these little things that you're doing in the beginning are what's leading to success all those months later. 
Right. You know, it's not an instinctual, you know, mom instincts are are real and they're awesome. And they are, um, I feel like everybody's an expert on their baby because they grew inside you and they come out and you know what your child needs better than anybody else. But with some of this stuff, it's not instinctual. And just like you said, the tummy time would lead to, you know, being able to hold your head up while you're sitting and later on blocking. It's kind of the same thing in in my field just with, you know, being able to suck and swallow a bottle helps later to strengthen all of those oral motor muscles so that they can talk later for speech. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, that same kind of idea. And I love that um, you're describing it that way because I feel like it really helps to just talk about the building blocks. So thank you for Mm -hmm. adding it like that. I really like that. Um, But yes, I I know you wanted to tell me something um, about weight shifting, I think is something we talked about earlier. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll let you, I'll let you go in. Thanks for letting me jump in. No, it's all related. So it's all connected. Um, But you definitely want the babies to start to enjoy tummy time. So then they'll learn to do the weight shifts, which will eventually lead to rolling. Um, It might not be intentional. A baby will spontaneously do it just because they're moving spontaneously, but that's how they learn. They'll all of a sudden realize that they just moved and that caused them to roll. So those opportunities for the babies to experience that is important. And then those will just build on each other. And that's how babies learn. They just do those things over and over and over again. It's just through repetition um, and how the brain just forms those connections. Um but talking about how it's all related, the tummy time will also allow for um, strengthening of the postural muscles because they're in that weight-bearing position of the arms, and that's going to help to elongate the pectoral and clavicle muscles. So that's going to allow the baby to unyoke, we call it, just because they're not tucked in that little ball, so they're going to start to to move outside of that flex bent-up position when they were a newborn, that physiological flexion that I talked about earlier, and it's going to help facilitate muscle symmetry and balance between the flexors and the extensors of the body as the baby grows. So this will allow for the foundation of the baby's movements to move within flexion and extension and kind of go back and forth easily between those, which is important for play and functional movement. And as well as you're thinking about with the baby being on their belly, they're also using their visual skills too. Um, it's going to allow for the baby to to use their peripheral and or out of midline visual field to develop, which eventually provides the foundation for those visual motor play skills, which is important for getting just for play. It's, Absolutely. What they want to see. Yeah, and it's fun. And you gave me a huge flashback when you talked about the um, unyoking as what you said as the term that you use. I had a flashback to when um, Benjamin, my first, was born. Um, and I remember I loved it when I would pick him up and his legs would go right back up. I'd call him like my little Buddha baby because he'd go right back <laughs> up into that curled position, you know. Um, so it's neat to, you know, know that that's, part of their development and moving mm-hmm. out of that is just, again, moving through these, these um, developmental milestones. And, you know, I don't think I really, um, you know, celebrated when he, and you know, as you said, unyoked because um, 
I, you know, I don't even think I, I realized that. So I learned something mm-hmm. new from you today too. So that's wonderful. <laughs> well, it just happens so seamlessly in their development. It's not like it's just all of a sudden they start doing it. It's just gradually intermittently through the, you know, just their normal everyday movements that they're doing. We just don't realize that they're doing it because they're just spontaneous movements, but really when they were in utero, they had the boundary of the uterus that caused that recoil to come back. But now when they move out, they don't have that boundary like they did, which is appropriate for a full-term baby. Um, So that's how they start to learn to stretch out and feel their body move in space. Which I love. And that we'll talk about this another time, but that boundary of the uterus is, you know, a lot of times while we do the swaddling, when they mm-hmm. come out <laughs> so right. that they can have that same calming effect and having those boundaries. So it's, exactly. it's a neat to make them, um, you know, to see how everything progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are the most common questions that you get from parents? Um, I guess, you know, whether you're discharging um, or, you know, parents that you speak to um, in the community. Like, I know everybody knows that you are an amazing physical therapist and work in an amazing hospital and do amazing mm-hmm. work. So what would you say are the three most common questions that you get regarding tummy time? So I would say the number one would be, how soon can I start tummy time with my baby? And I say right from delivery. Um, we call it kangaroo time in the NICU, but Really, any any mom or dad can do kangaroo time or holding them up on their bellies, up on their chest. Um, this will and promote. Kristen, ooh, sorry, <laughs> You're fine. Um, I don't mean to um, interrupt, but I I'm aware what kangaroo care is from working in the NICU also, but I wanted you to describe that more if you don't mind for people yeah. who might not have heard about kangaroo care. Um, if they had not spent time in the NICU, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's a wonderful thing. So since you yeah. mentioned it, I would love for you to describe that a little bit. And so sorry yeah. to it. No, it's fine. It's very um, well researched in the neonatal population, but it is when our moms or dads hold uh, their babies um, chest to chest, skin to skin, um, so that way they can have their parents' heartbeat, um, temperature, their their smell, their voices, that's what they're most uh, used to and familiar with. And it's just shown that it helps with weight gain and bringing in mom's milk supply and bonding with the parent. Um, And we've had some, and it's well-researched that some babies have just been able to come back from being really sick to doing really well just by allowing the parent to be involved whereas before it was a do not touch don't be involved you can look at your baby in an isolate but now it's a common practice that our babies are being held sooner which is awesome i love Mm -hmm. love love that so um so based on that you're saying you can start tummy time even if a child is as young as being in the NICU Yes. So for a mm-hmm. parent who has a child that's not in the NICU, you're saying basically they can start right away? Yes. I mean, even personally with my own babies, I was able to do it in the delivery room because I had a I had a C-section with all three of mine, but they allowed me to do skin-to-skin right in the delivery room, which was amazing. 
And I did that with mine too. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, and so what's happening, um, and I guess just for, for, clar- like for clarification, it actually counts as tummy time even if they're on your chest and not on the floor or on a mat. Mm-hmm. Or Can you it explain does. how that works? Cause, it's cause pretty much. It's, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I just meant like, I know you mentioned before that they could be kind of almost in an upright position with you leaning back a little bit so they're not completely flat, but they're still on their stomachs against you. Right. Is that enough? Yes. Um, I mean, you can vary the degrees of how elevated you are. Um, the more reclined you are, the closer you can get to that flat position that we want for the baby to be able to tolerate eventually for play to get the most benefit of tummy time. Um, but initially, when they're newborns, tummy time counts with them right up on your chest in the that flex position that I talked about with their arms kind of tucked at their side with their hands up by their face, um, and their their legs are bent at the hips and the knees, um, kind of tucked underneath them. Uh, up at their chest, they're still in that position versus if you're just holding them in a cradle position in your arms, they're not getting that weight bearing of their arms and their legs up on the chest. So it's kind of a, a difference in just position versus a cradle hold versus being up on their chest on their bellies. Right. And I can see how, you know, obviously when you're cradling them, you get to look at their tiny faces and, you know, take them all in. But that cuddle time is time that I cherish. So I loved having them, you know, on my chest and, you know, um, but I don't think I appreciated and, you know, until talking with you that that was actually time that counted as tummy time because you don't really think about it because they're so new. (laughs) You're just focused on you know, getting them fed and keeping them safe and warm, you know. Um, True. So it's wonderful information that you're sharing. Um, Can you tell me um, how often that people should be doing this? Yeah, so that was my other question was that a lot of parents will ask me, like, well, how often do I have to do this? Once a day, twice a day? And really the research just recommends how many times should be performed in a total of 80 minutes, but broken up into increments, obviously, um, we're not going to expect anybody to do 80 minutes of tummy time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, I mean, typically I would recommend doing it um, just throughout the day frequently if you can. Because um, I understand, especially in the beginning, you're just trying to get sleep and feed the baby and have somewhat normalcy in your life again. Um, but if you can just eventually start small and then gradually work your way up to your baby tolerating five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of tummy time, because then you can just build on it. Right. So I actually have a question about that. I know in the early stages, and again, this ties into what I do with feeding, but, um, typically in the beginning, babies are fed, you know, on demand, which usually averages out to be every two to three hours. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of the day, I could see when they're that little that it's easy to build in more of that tummy time around those feedings, preferably before. So you're not pushing on the food and pushing it back up. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, as they get older, you you know, you mentioned earlier um, in the podcast that 
newborn versus like two months old, it's a little bit different. So as they get older, is it the same amount of minutes that's still expected or what, you know, what do you recommend? I would say the number of minutes for each session increases as they get older. Um, so you're okay. doing less frequent bouts of tummy time, but longer duration of those times. As they get older. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but the, the number of minutes kind of stays the same. It's just okay. the duration of each session that you're trying to get it in. Um, because obviously they're going to be tolerating it a lot more, hopefully, and wanting to play. So it's, the time goes by faster. They have more endurance. They're tolerating it more. They like it. They're having fun. So, and they're usually going in and out of the position with rolling. And if they're crawling, they go from tummy to up and moving. Okay, that makes sense. And especially, I guess, like what you're saying with the play, as they get a little bit older and you're starting to put them on the tummy time mats and, you know, show them things and the vision is um, coming in as they're getting, mm-hmm. you know, older, that um, that would make sense that they'll tolerate it for longer amounts of time. So it's it's building from when they're born to when they get to that stage. And the okay. other thing I just wanted to point out is that you just want to think that the babies, whenever the babies little and sleeping so much you just have to balance out the time that they're on their backs in the crib and the bouncer seat and the car seat the stroller and even being in that cradle hold position in their arms they're always weight bearing on the back of their head so if you think about how often they're on the back of their heads it's a lot of minutes throughout the day so you just have to kind of balance it by getting them off of the back of their heads as much as you can whenever they're in that awake alert period. Right. And since you mentioned that, because that is a lot of time on their, you know, on laying on their back with the back of the head, what, what is a risk of what could happen if a child didn't have enough tummy time? Then the benefits that I talked about in the beginning, a lot of those just would, like with the head shape, the head shape would get worse. But typically they'll develop a head preference to one side, which could eventually lead to torticollis, which is tightening of the neck muscles. And um, that can lead to plagiocephaly, which is the abnormal or asymmetry of the head shape. Um, and then that can lead to a baby needing a cranial helmet to help shape the head. Um, because at some point, those sutures are going to close and then change in the head shape is impossible. So we just try to get any kind of cranial reshaping done prior to a year of age. Um, and sometimes just you could, once some of the asymmetry occurs, depending on the severity, you could do tummy time all day and it's still not going to fix it. So a lot of the things that they're not on their bellies enough, not only with the head shaping, but they're not going to be strengthening the muscles that we want. And again, with them being on their bellies, that's another opportunity for them to strengthen those postural muscles, which are important later on for fine motor skills and handwriting down the road too. Right. Okay. So like everything else in our field, early intervention, like that first year is just so important for so many things. (laughs) It can be overwhelming, but it's good to be informed. And so I so appreciate um, all this information that you're sharing. Um, Did you have, I know I asked you for for three of your top three questions. Um, What's number three? 
So number three is another common one, and it's what if my baby doesn't like tummy time, or I get, well, my baby doesn't like tummy time, so how, how can I get around it? Um, and that's for my moms that I see in the clinic sometimes, um, because they've, they're in the situation where now they do have a head preference, or they do have that asymmetry, and it's because a lot of times their baby didn't like tummy time. Um, so and I, Kristen, do you find with those patients and their families, like those babies um, are typically refluxy babies? Like I've noticed that I have seen that a lot with feeding, um, that typically, some, you know, I'll have a patient that I'm seeing for feeding issues related to reflux, and it's not uncommon for me to share them with a physical therapist like you um, mm-hmm. because they're dealing with some of those same issues. So do you yeah. see that often or not really often? I do. I do see it often. And I typically see them with a right rotational preference of their head um, with my reflux babies. And you might know more of that connection or you might see that too, but that's what I've seen in my practice. Right, and and in some cases, it's almost like an instinctual way to protect the airway, which is mm-hmm. a really neat thing, and I won't go deep into that right now, um, but why I wanted to ask you about it is, um, in that case, it, what do you recommend for these, these parents, for these, you know, these babies who um, need the tummy time, but mm-hmm. it's more challenging for them? So, typically, I'll try to get them on their bellies if they're at the age where they're a little bit older, um, I'll get them on their belly, see what they do. Um, and then is it typical to what they do at home? And then if they're upset, I'll recommend try rolling the baby onto his side to see if that allows the baby to calm. And then once they're calm, then transitioning them back onto their belly. So then that way I'm not letting them learn that response of, oh, if I cry, I'm going to get out of it. So <laughs> I guess I guess let them try to see what they'll do, work it out, and then if they need to and they can't self calm or self soothe, then I'll kind of get them on their side, calm them down, and go back to it. So it's I'm not flipping them over, I'm just letting them be on their side, which is also good for reflux babies to be on their sides a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and let them play there because there's a lot of benefits to being in a sideline position with play because they can allow their hands to be in midline and or in the middle of their bodies so that way they can play there and I will kind of give a couple minutes of them in that position and then going back to the tummy time so you might have to do that a few times for them to get used to it and it's interesting because that sideline position just the way the anatomy um, falls into place when a child is in a sideline position it does protect the airway more um, almost naturally Um, so it it just adds a layer of protection Um, a lot of times babies that are diagnosed with reflux will do better in a, even feeding in sideline positions. So that actually makes a lot of sense to me that they'd be more comfortable in that position um, mm-hmm. just because of the way the anatomy moves in that position. So that's kind of a nice thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do, um, and this doesn't have to be reflux related, um, but what other, what other ways can you... Um, do tummy time. Like I know my son was one of those babies who did not want to do tummy time, my second born Henry. And mm-hmm. um, I had to do like a lot of propping for him <laughs> to get mm-hmm. him to 
to sustain it. He would he did not like to be just flat. So I did some propping. Can you can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yes, um, we do that a lot with any of our little ones that need a little extra help and support to be on their bellies and. Um, you can do that with rolling a, we call it a prone roller, kind of a, a roll that blanket to go underneath their arms and their chest for a little bit of trunk support. And it'll allow the baby to have their arms in a weight bearing position, but have a little bit of help with lifting up their head and pushing through their arms and the surface. And if you don't have the roll, then you can just do like a rolled towel. And then as they get bigger, you can prop them over the boppy pillow, which is nice, or pillow, the nursing pillow that a lot of moms use. And the only hesitation I would give with that is if they're too small, they might slide down. So you just kind of have to see if the baby is big enough to be propped up over it without falling forward or sliding down. Right, and obviously being right there because the sliding down could have the pillow cover their face if they're not able to move. Mm-hmm. So it's a safety concern. And I'm assuming that's why you mentioned that, right? Um, yes. That they have to have a little bit more strength, be a little bit bigger and have somebody right there to make right. sure if they're being propped that it's always under supervision, not even to walk away for a second. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, pretty much that was Henry, he was always hanging over the boppy, and I loved that pillow when I was nursing, and I loved that pillow that it grew with them. It was, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but I do love the um, that as a resource for propping, so thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. Um, and um, really, I think all the information that you gave was so valuable. Like I said, this isn't really instinctual information, but um, it it when you know everything that's involved in why you're doing it, I feel like it, it just empowers parents, empowers moms, dads, um, caregivers to um, be um, more diligent about getting this done in the first year. Um, because I think sometimes if you're not, if you're not informed, you're, you know, and you're little one and you're exhausted, as we know, mm-hmm. parenting can be exhausted and your baby's crying. You just, you want them, you want to make them happy instinctively. So it's right. easier to say, you know, they really don't like being in that position. I'm just not going to, it's okay. I'm not going to do that right now. Right. And so these tips that you've offered are invaluable. And I just cannot thank you enough for sharing um, your area of expertise with us today. Thank you so much, Kristen, for um, sharing. And I hope we get to chat again. Yes, it was my pleasure. I love doing this. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes. And then screenshot this podcast and give it a share on social media to tell your friends what you think. Don't forget to tag me so I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much, and I can't wait to connect with you soon.